You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. The C word with Callista. Hey, it's Callista, and welcome to the very first episode of the C word. That C word is content for all you dirty minds, which I've realized a lot of my friends have. And if you love following your favorite influencers, content creators, and have always wondered how they come up with ideas for their videos, how long it takes to plan those photo shoots, well, we're going to unravel all the secrets right here, right now, on the C Word with me, your host, Callista. So, my very first guest is arguably Sabah's largest uh, and most popular social media personality. <laughs> He wouldn't want to agree, but that's just how he is. Um, he's got one of Malaysia's largest followings, um, starting his journey with a series called Get It Right, which highlights the differences between Sabah and Peninsula Malaysia. And he's got 129,000 subscribers on YouTube. He just got his very first YouTube plaque. I think it was yeah. gold. It was a couple of weeks ago. Silver. 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 Okay, so it was a silver plaque. He's got 147,000 followers on Instagram, 51.2 thousand on TikTok, 253,000 followers on Facebook, and a resume. I'll let him fill you on himself. It's Adam Shamil. Hello, everybody. <laughs> that was I, I didn't even know that I actually have over 51,000 followers on TikTok. I don't follow yet, so. You do post on TikTok, right? I do post, uh, not specifically on TikTok. Like the contents that I would post on Instagram and on Facebook, I would eventually get it posted on YouTube, uh, TikTok as well. So, But I don't really like get it a bit like, oh, this is the number of followers I have today. Okay, so um, you started off with the Get It Right series. Yes. And that grew yes. into so much more. So what are you focused on nowadays? I am currently, so, um, so as you may or may not know, I have just developed my very own studio. So we are planning to expand the Adam Shamil Studios. So by hiring interns, if you know anybody who may be interested, do let me know. Yeah, so I'm also, of course, um, I've been traveling a lot. I love creating content on, you know, tourism and the many attractions that we have here in Malaysia, especially where I come from, Sabah, especially where you come from as well, Lista. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, pretty much it. I've been creating content. I am just trying to get myself, you know, tell myself on a regular basis to be more consistent, to be more religious in creating content. But, you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I think that's one of the most difficult things, right? It's like to be consistent, to be posting consistently. Yeah, that is like one of the most challenging thing actually to be consistent in, you know, creating content. Otherwise, you know, that's, that's actually the reason why a lot of creators today, they become irrelevant or people don't remember them because, you know, like just one video and then the next video, so the, the next video you post is probably, you know, weeks or months to come, which is, which is unhealthy. Lah. So it is recommended that, you know, you have like a proper schedule so that people can follow and people would know when's your next video. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And not to forget, I'm also managing my own restaurant. So that's another thing that I should take into account. Okay, that brings me to my second question. So a lot of people have one or two videos that kind of go viral, but then the following doesn't really stay beyond that. So how do you keep such a large following constantly interested in what you do? Because your followers are very engaged. Yeah, um, okay. Um, I have to credit my grandmother <laughs> for always being part of my the contents that I make. Um, I think one of there is it's an open secret, really. As long as you are consistent, as long as you are religious in creating contents, and most importantly, the contents that you make are you know relatable to to the public. I guess that's going to catapult your career generally as a creator. So like myself, I don't just create one specific content. I also create videos you know about you know like you know get it right um distinguishing you know how the sub 
Farhan and the Indonesian would speak and then addressing the issues here in Sabah. I would also create contents about me and my grandmother and I would also, you know, I, I love music as well. So I would also create content about that. So my singing covers, shock sendiri lah, something like that. Yeah lah, I guess. Yes, that's it. I feel like you kind of know um, what questions I'm going to be asking next because that is actually my next question. Have I answered all of them? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're giving me great segues into it. Oh, great, great, great. <laughs> okay, so you've got a lot of focus on your family in all your videos, right? So specifically yep. your mom and your grandma. How did they initially react to you wanting to put them on camera all the time? Because I know a lot of the older generation, they don't understand it, right? My grandmother always uh, thinks that, you know, it's a waste of time. And I don't blame her for that because, you know, she came from a very, you know, from a different generation you know, compared to us, who's, you know, very digitally inclined. But, but honestly, when I first started posting videos of me and my grandmother, right, she really... I had no idea that, um, you know, like I was going to get her featured on my videos. You know, initially I would tell her that, oh, Ma, I need I need a bit of your help. Because I would call my grandmother Mama, you know, like that's how we call grandmothers here in Sabah. First, the Kadazans, we would call our grandmothers Ma. So I would tell her that, Ma, you know, I have this, you know, university uh, project that I need to complete. So it requires like a grandmother to be involved. So could you do me a favor? Because otherwise, if it has nothing to do with, you know, university projects, she would say, yeah, 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 I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. So that's, so that's what I normally do to lure her into my videos. Lah. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like, because uh, now whenever I go home, if I take like video or I take like photos, for instance, of my parents, they're always like, oh, don't put it on Instagram. <laughs> why? Uh, why? Uh? <laughs> You don't like uh, to be featured on, on your social media. They don't mind usually, but like some situations or if they feel like, oh, I'm very messy today, you know, like once you start to put them on social media, people recognize them. So sometimes yeah. my parents have people approach them, oh, um, you're Callista's mom, right? And she's like, how do you know? Yeah, right. I'm a, trust me, my grandmother gets that a lot. You know, she used to go to the tamu, like the like the wet market, right, to buy fish, to buy all of that. And then normally, can you believe it? Normally, right, she would call me up and, you know, probably I'll pick her up or probably I'll like uh, request Grab to send her back home, right? But you know, people offer her to send her back home, you know. Oi, you're Adam's grandma, right? Okay, never, never, I know you, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, like, I'll send you back. Which is very dangerous because that also means that people would know where we live, lah. But you know, my yeah. grandmother, apparently my grandmother thinks that, you know, that's not so much of a bad thing. We're all, you know, uh, subhan, we're friendly people. But you know, that's kind of dangerous at the same time. Yeah. Okay, so um, do you see content everywhere you go right now? Or how often do you think of content? Or like when you're out, is it just like, oh, okay, I can use that for my next video? Or I'm... Yeah. Every single thing that I do, every single place that I go, my priority is always content because content revolves around my life, you see. My life is driven by content. But I try as much as I possibly can to, at least like for a day, not having to think about content at all. But sometimes you can't blame me, but you know, when I look at something interesting, right, I always try and turn it into like a quality content, yeah. you see. So to answer your question is I think of content all, every single time. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Like every time I see someone nice, it's like, oh, this, I, I got and, photos here. Yeah, especially if I'm with my grandmother. As long as she's like available right there, I'm like, hmm, what can I do with her? What can I do? What can I do? 
Yeah, because if you don't post, like people are gonna be like, Adam, when's the next video? Like, are you people okay? Are people crave for my grandmother's content. I mean, to be honest with you, they look forward to watching my grandmother more than myself, honestly. So, I mean, that's not so much of a bad thing, but you know, see, my grandmother is what makes my, you know, the posts that I publish on social media more engaging. Once they see my grandmother, wow, watch time increase, engagement yeah. increase. Yeah. I think a lot of people like to see the older generation because it's it's not everywhere you know like people like you and me yeah everybody's making content but when it comes to the old generation it's hard to find not only i think it's a very a rare sight to be able to see your grandmother you know making fun of herself with her own grandson on on in front of you know on videos right so that's probably one of the reasons why people enjoy watching the both of us yeah mm. and and, and somehow it's very natural it's not scripted it, it is not scripted nothing is of choreography it's just you know sit on the record record button and then yeah. I can totally tell like sometimes she'll say something and I can tell by your face like you weren't expecting that which is great. Totally <laughs> not. Because I realize right that if you do things without having to have like a like a script or anything like if it's just naturally acting right it really works most of the time. Yeah. But sometimes there are things that she's not supposed to say in front of the camera so I have to cut that off bit out loud. Yeah. Understandable. <laughs> But like with so many things going on, right? Like you have a lot of things. There's so many platforms, for instance, and you have so many different things. Like earlier you were mentioning gaming. Then you've got your normal content. Then you've got content with your grandma. Then you've got like yeah. your singing, your your restaurant. So how do you divide your attention? Do things kind of get messy or do you have a schedule that works for you? Or If I were to answer you honestly, right, I would say that it's pretty messy like, because how do I divide my time? I just do it, you see? Like today, I invest my time into shooting videos for my personal content and then probably the very evening I'll dedicate my time with my grandmother it just happens naturally you know you know what I mean I, I cannot explain but yeah I just I just do it I just do it okay so what's your daily schedule like like what time you wake up until what time you go to bed like what is a normal day for you okay I'm like upside down like the ordinary Malaysian citizen I normally start working at night you see I'm most active at night you see I, I start editing videos my the content starts kicking in and the, the script starts like after 12 and then I normally wake up and you know I'm not proud of it but I wake up quite late like you know by sometimes by 12 especially if I've had like a, a long day of shoot mm. um, the, the day before so I would normally wake up really really late but as a compensation I'll also sleep late for work you see sometimes i only sleep when the sun rises and that's not even an exaggeration yeah i don't have a boss to report to i am yeah. i am my own boss so i don't have that nine to five ordinary working shift so i guess that's pretty much why i am who i am <laughs> dude i wake up to be in the office by 9 30 every day yeah but that's a cool job a radio announcer come on it's a dream job of many yeah but i also only sleep at like <laughs> Four. Well, then, My normal time is four. Four? Yeah. Four? What do you do? I don't know, but like you, like at night, suddenly I get all these ideas. That's when I want to do things. That's when I wrote these questions for, for, for this podcast, for instance. That's when I'll think of, oh, okay, what, what do I want to post tomorrow? Oh, I have this idea. I want to go here and, and do a vlog about this. Wow. So we, we actually share one thing in common. We are most active at night. Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of creative people seem awesome. to be active at night. But then we yeah. force ourselves to wake up early, you know? Right, 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 yeah. And it's just weird because the ideas do not come to you um, during sunset or in the morning when you have your breakfast. It only comes during night time, which is weird, lah. But I don't it works. Think it's wrong, though, as long as it works, you know? Yeah. Okay, so um, you have a lot of client engagements, right? Because like this is now your full time job. Mm -hmm. So 
how do you decide which clients to say yes or no to and how do you come up with specific ideas for their campaigns? Um, okay, to begin with, uh, when I first started creating content back in 2016, I was very much driven by money. Like, you see, like as long as this client are willing to pay, you know, regardless of whether I enjoy making the video or not, I'll always say yes. But today, I think I'm, I am becoming more of a wise creator and being more selective. And normally, the ideas would come, you know, hand in hand and together with the client, like what the client wants. And I would normally propose an idea and if he or she enjoys. So it's, it's pretty basic, like pretty much like the same, like how everybody, how everybody proposes. Yeah. But I'm more selective with the companies that I work with, the brands, you know, if it, uh, if it is close to my heart. And, you know, if it's something that I'm not against, you know, so, yeah. So is, is there a difference uh, with how you plan your content for different platforms? Like, for instance, if it's a YouTube video compared to like a, a Facebook video, for instance. So um, I would normally um, have all of these videos, like branding videos, right? I don't know what you call it. Like all these campaign videos I posted exclusively on Facebook and sometimes on, on Instagram. And for most cases, um, YouTube is reserved for my personal contents only. What if a client asks, like, they only want YouTube? How would you handle oh, well, it? Well, we definitely can accommodate, but like most of the time, I would always tell client before he or she says anything. I would always say that um, YouTube is, is reserved for my personal content. So, but unless if it's like I've, like, I've worked with a lot of, you know, tourism ministries in the past, so I would normally post my contents on YouTube when it comes to uh, videos of me traveling or if it has everything, anything to do with, you know, like tourism or life style i would normally get it posted on youtube as well and uh what are the usual steps with creating content for yourself from like coming up with the idea to the execution i, I don't actually have a like specific methods on how i do my thing but most of the time right um the content that i put up on social media has got to be something that i enjoy doing definitely and number two if it's relatable to the public so like for example like i want to make a content about this topic so but first before i get it executed i would normally ask myself will people actually watch it you know in most cases i would normally put myself in their shoes like is it relatable because i'm not gonna lie to you um, i'm very much motivated by the number of people who watches my videos i'm not gonna lie to you. i'm not gonna be one of those people who say no i create content i don't really care if people don't watch my videos because i enjoy doing what i do but honestly, as a creator, it's also one of my many objectives to ensure that people actually watch your videos and people mm -hmm. enjoy watching it. So, you know, your number of views is an indication whether, you know, people enjoy watching your contents or not. I kind of feel the same way. Like when I post things, I don't do it for the likes. But when you don't get views or you don't get likes, then you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, it demotivates you, right? I remember creating videos, you know, like my first, my, during my early days in 2016, I, I remember being very demotivated when nobody watches my videos. Mm. So, and it turns out, you know, as a result to my disappointment, I tend to procrastinate and I tend to not post videos. But sometimes um, it is inevitable when it comes to client. When client wants like a certain type of videos, right? You have to ensure that your client's need is of prioritized and then whether it gives you views or not. But no, normally I would tell client, like, if this is the sort of video that you're looking at, let's, let's have this kind of direction so that you know, people will watch it. Because they also want result, right? Mm. They also want engagement also. Ultimately. So the number one factor that I would take into account when creating a content, when thinking of a content to make is definitely, you know, relatability. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times, like, it, it's still in that learning process for a lot of uh, clients where social media is not 
TV. It's not even radio. Like, because when it's a, a TV or a radio thing, you have no choice. You just absorb the information. But when it's on mm-hmm. social media, you have a choice whether you want to click and watch or not, right? Right. So Absolutely. If it's too hard sell, usually people will just mm, scroll up. And, and nowadays, right, social media is inundated and it's been saturated with a lot of contents that are not of quality. That's very subjective as well. So it's very, very important that, you know, you are able to ensure that your content is being, is being watched by many people by creating the ones that are of quality, that are engaging, that would put a smile on people's faces and that are unique. Yeah. So uh, speaking of like clients, so when you are engaging a client, like if it's a, if it's a brand that you want to work with, how would you approach them? And if it's a brand that wants to work with you, what is the norm of them approaching you? Because Recently, there's been a lot of hacking incidents where people click in links of sponsors and then they, their account gets like hacked and stuff. So yeah, right, right. how do you determine what is legit or not? To begin with, I am being managed by Person Edge for over four years now, since 2016. So a lot of the, a lot of the dealings with brands being held accountable by them, of course. But sometimes there are clients and brands who approach me directly on Instagram. Yeah. But as long as it has any link related that would require me to click on, I would normally either disregard it or I would normally just respond to the inquiry and get them to write to my management company. So there's this, there's this agreement that we have established with my management company. If it's a local brand from Sabah, it doesn't have to go through them. So most of the time, they are legit lah. So, so far, thankfully, you've never had a hacking kind of scare lah. Well, they have been somewhere in 2018, right? It's an unknown brand, but they appear themselves as a brand that's, you know, very international and they have like hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. So they are actually on the surface, very genuine, looks very legit. So they slide into my DM and ask me if I would be interested to be like their ambassador. And if, mm-hmm. and if I am, all, all I've got to do is to simply click on the link. And I did, you know, like seconds later, I realized that, oh my goodness, what am I getting myself into? You know, I immediately uh, closed all tabs up. So I was, I was afraid because there have been many incidences where a lot of personalities and creators, social media handles have been, you know, hacked by these people. Uh. Yeah, I know people have lost their accounts entirely. So it's, it's, it's yeah. scary. Uh. But a lot of them are, a lot of lucky ones, they would normally get to restore their accounts uh, thanks to Instagram. And you need to know someone in Instagram or something like that, right? Yeah, you either need to know somebody, um, like in Malaya, they say orang dalam or number two, you have to spam them lah with your inquiries. Okay, so have you ever encountered a project that couldn't be completed? And have you also ever had issues working with people who couldn't deliver or were difficult? And how did you overcome it? To answer your question, number one, if mm-hmm. that happens, I'll get killed by my management company. <laughs> but um, so far, I'm very lucky because, and that's the reason why it's very, very important to be selective with the brand that you work with. Most importantly, you have to enjoy and you have to connect with the brand that you work with. You can't just simply do it just for the sake of money and be driven by you know, greed. So in most cases, I'm lucky enough to be able to work with uh, most clients over the last couple of years. Uh, second question, I've worked with very difficult clients in the past, but when it comes to my own team, right? That's the problem, Kalista. So far, 
um, not to shave you know this, we are actually hiring for interns to be part of this very small company that I have, the Adam Trimmel Studios. And a lot of them, right, you just can't work with them because, you know, the first impression during interview gun is already, it does not impress me. So before I even start working with them, I have to be able to identify these people. It's just very, very difficult to find people who can meet my expectation because to be honest, I'm actually quite of a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So like most of the work, I would do it single-handedly except for shooting and editing Thing. like I used to do it myself but right now I have found the right person to shoot and to edit my videos who I can really like yes yes you feel me you feel my direction script writing unfortunately I haven't found like somebody who can really write good script so eventually I have to do it myself law Okay, let's take it back because you obviously are from Sabah and you studied in KL. That's where you first got big, right? That's what inspired the Get It Right series. Yeah, right. So what is the difference between doing Sabahan content and doing content with clients here in KL? Oh, yeah. My clients here in Sabah, because they know who I am, which is great. Mm -hmm. I like clients in KL. They're normally being proposed by my management company. And a number of them knows me as well. So my clients here in Sabah, they would less complain. And most of the time, I would propose. I would give them the idea. Most of the time, they would always agree to it. But in West Malaysia, they would normally propose me the idea. I have to follow the ideas given to me, like the storyboard given to me, the brief given to me. But in Sabah, it's the other way around. I give them the brief. I propose to them. I mean, the worst would be, can we do a bit of, you know, can we do a bit of a tweak here and there? But most of the time, I will steer ahead in proposing the content and yeah, the scripting and all of that, the storyline. Did I answer your question? Yes, it did. And it brings me to my next question. No, it did not. So so many opportunities in KL, especially for social media, right? What made you want to move back to KK? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think this one is a, a question that you probably How get. to answer that? <laughs> uh, okay, I have, to be, I have to be very careful with my answer when it comes to this. Okay, number one, I'm a Sabahan. So I feel comfortable being in my very own hometown, right? The, the content creation industry in Sabah is very untapped, right? So I would like to, you know, like see that very opportunity like, to be one of the key players here in Sabah. Which you are. And I happen to, I happen to be very lucky because um, like most of the brand, they would always prioritize Adam Shamil after one of what reason. I guess that's because the things that I do, I do it to the best of my ability. And, and also I have a lot of connection. And when it comes to networking, I'm very much established here. And cost of living in Sabah, cheaper now. <laughs> and I have my mom and my grandmother to cook for me. So I don't have to buy food every day. Go out like you just came back from Bangsa, right? Yes. <laughs> well, that's not bad, well, that's not a bad thing anyway. So that's not a bad thing. And also, the beauty of being a creator, you can come from anywhere in Malaysia. But, you know, like I would always have like a lot of job opportunities in KL and which does not require me to be to physically be there. You see? So I guess that's the reason why I am here today in Sabah. Okay. All right. So final two Fair questions. Enough. Final two questions. Uh, yeah. It's which- just like... Five minutes only. Yeah, it feels like it's very fast, but I just realized it's been quite a while. So at which point did you think to yourself, like, yes, I can make this whole social media game my main source of income without worrying about finances or the instability of being a freelancer? When and was it difficult to make that decision? So I started making content when I was studying back in the University of Nottingham, Kuala Lumpur. I actually never thought that it was a difficult decision to make. 
because I, I have been very lucky enough to be presented with myriads of opportunities. Even when I first started, I guess that's partly because back when I first started uh, creating content in 2016, there weren't many creators in Sabah, right? So you can say that, you know, like I am among the very few individuals who dominated the industry like, here in, back in KK. So I realized that freelancing and creating contents have always been a part of me and a part of my life because I've been able to put food on the table and at the same time enjoy doing the things that I love. By being my very own boss, I don't have to wake up very early in the morning and I really enjoy doing it. And most importantly, I'm blessed because I've been doing this for four years now. I am the breadwinner of the family. By the way, my mom is a single mother. I've been able to raise the family single-handedly by being a creator. And it has actually opened uh, many doors of opportunity because of the fact that I've been earning as a creator. I've been able to use that very earning to diversify my income by opening up my own restaurant, set up my own studio. Yeah, so being a creator has actually led me to many different opportunities. I'm very blessed and grateful. Oh my God, I miss your food. That's why you should come. Soon lah, okay. You, always, you, you, you complain, I never, I reply, I lambat reply you, but when you come to TK, you don't find me also? I come to come so short at the time. Uh, listeners, I'm sorry, uh, we are getting into our inner sabahan now. <laughs> My last question. You are the best person to, to answer this, like, okay? Because uh, okay. not even any bias. I think you are definitely the, the largest content creator and social media personality, especially in Sabah. I have to debunk that. No, uh, I'm not the largest by numbers, like, definitely yes? not. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's a, it's a, it's a one. Very, very tricky. Huh? But if you ask me, I'm probably, again, I'm, I mean it the most, the humblest way possible. The Adam Shepard Studios collectively, um, it's definitely one of the biggest platforms in East Malaysia, but to say that we are the largest, maybe not large. But we are, but the Arab Studio gets the most uh, uh, inquiries and most uh, campaigns, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, as of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Some, one thing about Adam is from the day I met him until now, and he's grown so much. Like when I met him, he was uh, a guest DJ for the station in Sabah. <laughs> And he was just starting to get big. Now he's millions of getting there. Still getting there. He's the same. He hasn't changed. The question is, <laughs> your advice for Sabahans who want to follow in your footsteps. So maybe not just Sabahans lah. Maybe like Malaysians in general. Okay, first, when you decided that you want to be, when you want to get into this line, getting into this industry, you want to be a creator, you need to make sure that it cannot be primarily driven by, you know, because you want to be famous or because you want to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. If that's what you really want, you can venture into a lot of things. Probably you should venture into property. But, um, <laughs> if you, yeah, what? You become broker, you know, you sell one land, half a million, you know. So, okay, by the way, anyway, getting back to my answer, I think most importantly, you have just got to love what you do. You need to have the passion. You need have you need to find your reason why like you need to be able to ask yourself why do you do this is it because i want to be famous or i want to make a lot of money like for me the reason why i want to do it because purely i wanted to distinguish i was angry in 2016 and i wanted to address the issue of how we sabahans are always being misrepresented as indonesians so i wanted to clear the air so when i when i posted that video i didn't have any expectation i just did it because i wanted to distinguish the differences between these two nationalities these two identities so when i did it when i've been getting responses people some people like it some people question it some people even dislike it but i realized one thing i enjoyed 
creating content. So I enjoyed being told by people that, hey, we appreciate your content. So it, it actually prompted me to creating more content. So eventually, when I decided to venture into this so-called career as a creator, um, I realized that one of the reasons that would keep you relevant aside from the fact that you have to religiously and be consistent with your with creating content, right? Always practice humility. Always be humble. Okay, it's um, don't ever say that you know I'm this and that. You know, always, always, always practice humility, and trust me, it will bring you a long way. Okay, okay. And is there anything that you would suggest, like them using, or how would you come up with ideas if, like, you you are starting from ground zero? Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, there isn't right or wrong way, okay, to create content. I mean, all contents are contents eventually. But if if you're asking me how to create an engaging content, okay, if that's the question specifically, I guess the answer to that is before you start shooting the video, you need to be able to think of a title first. What's going to be the title of this video? And you have got to ask yourself: Is this relatable? You know, it all comes back to the question of relatability. Is it relatable? Will will people actually watch it? If I if somebody else were to upload this video with the same factor will i watch it if you are just like a you know like if you just started in your first video is 10 things about me people don't give a damn people don't want to know 10 things about you but again it's not wrong a content is a content i mean if that gives you joy and and happiness by telling people 10 things about you then go ahead right but if you ask me an engaging content that will get people to watch your videos the first answer is whether the content that you make is of relatability or not whether people will watch it whether people will enjoy watching it uh, theoretically you can also go on google and type uh, google keyword planner because this is actually will determine the, like what the words that you put in on google keyword planner right will tell you the amount the number of searchability so, so is your it- keyword plays a very important role in determining the spectrum of audience who's gonna potentially watch your video. But is it better to to make videos with keywords of a million searches or keywords that have like 50, you know what I mean? 50,000. You should be able to make content that you enjoy making and not be driven by numbers first, okay? Mm-hmm. But as you grow into the platform, as you focus into developing your social media presence, then of course you definitely have to penetrate titles that gets a lot of searches la. you definitely have to you know penetrate you know, the, the, the ones that are trending right now that's why you know like trending videos right a lot of people would normally you would expect like hundreds of reaction videos because they want to penetrate into that spectrum of virality if that's such a word but then you hear both sides of the story like some people say don't do videos that have the same title as everyone else because you'll get lost in the sea of the same kind of content. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, make sure you search for the keywords that people are searching for or else your video won't be seen. So how do you balance that? Your title, no, very simple. Your title can be different, but make sure that the keyword is there. Yeah. Mm. So unboxing of iPhone 10. So the word is unboxing. Uh, no, iPhone 10 is a keyword. So you can say, you can play with the title. Not really. So just make sure the keyword is inside. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's technical advice. And you'll get lost into the sea because a lot of you, because you share, yeah. not because you share the same title, but because you do not have the social media presence. The reason why people can't find you is because it has probably, it has got everything to do with the number of people who are subscribed to you and how big of a creator are you on YouTube. So that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of factors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know the video that we made last time, like four years ago? You know, when I first started YouTube, okay? It still freaking gets views, okay? Really? I have a feeling every time you upload on 
uh, YouTube, then that video will somehow become recommended or something because then I'll get more views on it. I'm like... Because there isn't many creators from Sabahan, so they have to, you know... You also haven't uh, collabed with many other people, I guess. Very hardly. The, I mean, like, I can actually count, like, it has been, like, less than five people I've collaborated with in the past, like, Fatia Izati of Indonesia, and Tamakau, Kalista Liu, and Sean Lee, Marco D. And my next video is with Dear Aline. I'm not sure if you've heard of her before. Uh, oh. Do you know Nas Daily? I saw. So, are you going to be joining his team or what? I'm not going to be joining his team, but we are going to be working. Hopefully, uh, we are going to be working together, creating content. So, I mean, I, I've already directed the first, like the content, the, the episode that he started, which is Asia Superhuman. So, I directed. I was entrusted by Nasdaq himself to direct this episode. So, yeah, the dream is to be able to work very closely with Nasdaq. But still, under the umbrella of the Adam Schindler Studios, of course. That's really cool, though. Yeah, very lucky, la, very lucky. Uh, is it luck? It's also hard work, lah. Huh? <laughs> okay, so thank you so much for answering all the questions, Adam. Yeah, thank you so much for questioning me as well. Very difficult questions, but answerable. Uh, they were not difficult for you. Thank you so Very much also for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for making me your first guest. It's an honor. Thank of you. Course I had to have you as my first guest since I haven't seen you for so long. But. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you for listening in to the very first episode of The C Word. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. The C Word with Callista.